Hi, and thank you for joining our virtual happy hour with residency programs. My name is Fong, fourth year medical student in Miami. The goal is to bring residency program information provided by the current residents to you, the orthopedic surgery applicant, at your availability. Here are 23 questions to find you the perfect match for residency. Here we welcome Dr. Dan O'Connor. He's originally from Los Angeles. He did his undergrad at Cal Berkeley. He went to med school at UC Davis, followed by his residency now at UC Davis. He'll be leaving UC Davis to go to a fellowship at University of Chicago for joints. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm pretty good. How are you, Funk? Good. Thanks for asking. So the whole goal of this podcast is trying to get a gauge as to what your program is and how us as a prospective applicant will be feeling about your program. So we have 23 questions to fall in love with the program. You ready to begin, Dan? Cool. Yeah, let's go. Perfect. So we'll, we'll start things off very casually. Do you have any traditions of the program and any favorites? Um, I'd say there's a couple. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that I guess you could call traditions, but uh, usually we have like a Christmas party at the chair's house every year. Um, okay. We'll see what happens this year with all this COVID business, but um, it's pretty fun. Uh, everybody, you know, goes over to their place and hangs out and, um, Last year, actually, last year, year before, uh, his house burned, caught on fire, uh, <laughs> partially burned down, <laughs> but uh, everybody was okay. And, uh, uh, we're still doing it over there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, that definitely sounds like probably it's, a it's, favorite memory, if anything. Yeah. Hang out with all your buddies uh, and uh, co-residents, you know, outside of work with your, your families and all the attendings and their families. It's just like a different, different atmosphere, different spin. It's a lot of fun. And I'm sure it's a different feeling, especially outside of the hospital, outside of the program where everyone kind of just get together and talk. For sure. So that leads to my next question, actually, is the relationship between classes. How often do you and your co-residents hang out and how often do you hang out with your other classes? Yeah, um, I think the relationships are pretty awesome. Um, I, I mean, currently with COVID, like all the hanging out is probably pretty minimal, but um, before this year, um, yeah, I think we, um, the classes, there isn't like a super hierarchy or anything. Um, some of my, my best friends are in the class behind me and, um, you end up not operating a lot with your own class because you're the same year and you're on different rotations. And if one of you's off, the other one's on call. And so you, you do spend a lot of time with, um, other years, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, one just by schedule, but then, um, uh, it also, you know, <laughs> often one of you, you know, is on call in your class. And so even hanging out outside of, uh, of work is, is often easier with other classes, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't do it this year, but every other year, uh, I've been in residency every summer when the new interns get in, um, do a barbecue at my house and usually try tip tacos and um, everybody just comes over and hangs out. And um, there's probably, um, I don't know, three or four like formal, all the residents, you know, hang out um, together each year. And then there's a bunch of, you know, smaller groups and stuff that happen throughout the year. Um, you know, some of the residents live together, some, um, you know, uh, train together or run together or, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so we do hang out a ton. 
um, one in the hospital, you're going to spend, when you do residency, you're going to spend more time mm-hmm. with your, your co-residents than anybody. <laughs> so you, I'm sure I, I hear about it all a, the time. A huge thing is like, make sure you're going to a program where you are going to like spending a lot of time with those people, because if, if it's not a good fit for you, it might be a long four, five or six years, you know, depending on the program. Wow. Mm-hmm. So first of all, g- generous of you to offer your house, especially just to make your tacos, which I'm sure <laughs> uh, rivals anything and he comes out of California right. and you came from LA. So I, mean, I can't complain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's actually just to compare and contrast a little bit. I'm doing a rotation with residents and they said that they also have a similar vibe where your co-residents at your year, at least you guys are kind of split so that you don't really see each other, but you hang a lot with the upperclassmen depending on where you're at and there's a lot of mentorship that happens between these levels so i just want to compare and contrast with what i've been seeing yeah i think i think anywhere you go that's going to be kind of a, a theme you'll see is that uh not that the guys in the same class don't hang out you know i'd say my best friend in residency is in my class but um certainly it's a lot easier uh, with uh, other classes and different programs have a different feel. You know, I remember being a sub I and rotating all these different places and stuff. And, um, you know, the, in, at some places, the interns are afraid of the chiefs and stuff like that. And that's just not the way it is here. Um, and, uh, we're all pretty, pretty relaxed. Okay. We'll get to that in a little bit, but the next question I want to ask is you kind of touched on it just a little bit. I just want to reiterate, does UC Davis have a five or six year programs? And if so, yeah, like how does the split? How does the split work? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so uh, currently, we have five residency spots per year. Um, four of those are a five-year program, and one of those is a six-year spot that does one year of research. That currently, that research is done between the second and third year. Uh, so you finish your second year, you take a year off, and you come back as a three. Um, and, um, but yeah, four of the spots are, um, uh, just your standard five-year ortho residency. Okay. We'll touch into research in a little and bit then, and later. So yeah. I just want to save that just for the later end of the conversation. Um, next question I want to ask is culture of the program. You seem to talk very highly of UC, UC Davis. So what do you, what would you generalize or what would you say about the culture of your program? Yeah. Um, you know, I did med school at Davis and so I, I knew the program pretty well, uh, before applying to residency and I was lucky to, to get my, my top choice. Um, and so, you know, already knowing it and I I knew that's where I wanted to be. And, um, for a number of reasons, um, and, um, I mean, I'm a chief now, so this is a long time ago when I was applying Mm and, and, um, at that time, um, it was a super like um, I'd say trauma heavy or trauma um, strong program. That's still a a lot of our rotations are trauma. Um, We get really good high energy trauma here. Um, And I knew that I wanted to like be able to handle anything on call without doing a trauma fellowship. And that's for sure, for sure the case Um, because I wasn't sure that I wanted to do trauma. Um, but I knew that I'd take call somewhere. And so um, I think <clears throat> that was one of the strengths I was looking for. But then as far as the the culture and the, the residents, uh, it is California. So everybody's pretty chill. 
you know, even uh, attendings and staff and everybody like that. Um, putting a uh, word on it or whatever, I don't know that I could, but I'd say, um, you know, almost every residency will say this, this whole work hard, play hard thing. Um, you'll hear that over and over mm-hmm. when you're on the interview trail. Um, and um, I think that you want a program that embraces that. Um, and uh, certainly any orthopedic growth residency that you do is going to be tough. Um, for my money, orthopedic residency is one of the tougher residencies that there are to do. Uh, but it's also probably the best. Um, and our culture is that like the attendings are super approachable. Um, you know, I have all their cell phone numbers. I call them and talk to them, um, about cases or just about life. Um, uh, the residents are, are very, uh, it's kind of funny. We're in California, but we're not all Californians, but the whole like kind of chill and relaxed vibe is definitely there. Um, I second that uh, for sure. Definitely coming from California. There's a different type of vibe Uh that we just exhibit. There's a a difference. Um, And, um, and so I think that reigns true and it's kind of fun to see all the guys from different places all over the country kind of adapt to that and join that. Um, And uh, it used to be like ages ago. I remember when like, uh, what was it? Orthogate was some website that like everybody got information about programs and stuff. And I remember um, reading some of the stuff on there and um you know, way back when I think Davis was known kind of as um, a little broy and um, like pretty much um, uh, a little more intense. Mm-hmm. And there's been like a huge shift even just since um, I started residency. Um, and uh, one of the, the big changes is that we have a new program director, uh, or pardon me, not program director, but um, department chair in Dr. Randall. Um, and he's brought a whole new energy and, um, uh, different focus and stuff to our program that is, is really cool to see. Um, I don't know that I want to be an intern again, but I'm pretty jealous of like the experience that our ones and twos are going to get. For sure. And I want to second that also because on one of the virtual experiences with <clears throat> Dr. Thorpe, Dr. Randall actually jumped in and was part of our conversation. So he seemed like very approachable chairman just to talk to him, just to have somebody to talk to. And he was very, I think it also echoes what you said about how your attendings all have their cell phones. You have all their cell phones. You can contact them whenever for about whatever case you want to talk about. So it kind of talks about your openness of the program, which is great. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, it was also cool when they were um, interviewing candidates for, for chair of the department. Yeah. Um, their last couple all met with the residents and they had like a resident only meeting um, with the different candidates. And we got to give our feedback to the selection committee and be like, Hey, like we love Dr. Randall. You should, you know, pick him essentially. And then um, he, he meets, you know, um, a couple times a year with just the residents inside of a closed door meeting. And it's like, totally confidential. You can tell him anything you want. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's super about, about residents and the resident experience. And he wants to l- deliver like a, you know, um, top tier, uh, resident education. 
in addition to all his other jobs and responsibilities as chair. It's pretty cool. That's that sounds amazing. And it's always great to have a chair that supports you. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but my next question was what are the strengths of the program? You talked a little bit about the trauma, but what I wanted to ask was mm-hmm. since you rotated at UC Davis for a sub internship, what stood out to you before you applied? Yeah. And what is something now that you realize is a gem that you didn't see before? Yeah. Um, when I was being a sub-I, I looked at a couple of things. There's a couple of ways I evaluate programs. Um, one of them was how do the chiefs operate? Um, I didn't really care how the interns operated. I wanted to know what am I going to look like when I finish? What am I going to, what's the product that they're going to put out? What am I going to be when I'm done? And I, in my head, I would just make a note of like, how are the chief residents at this program or that program? And, you know, who's slick, who operates well, um, and there's variability person to person, you know, that's not like totally the, the program that does that. But I noticed that the chiefs were super comfortable in the operating room and they were slick. Um, and um, I think that was one of the things that, that uh, at that time I was very drawn to, and I, I wanted to, um, to come through that training and, and uh, more than a lot of other places, just because I thought they were pretty stinking good. And um, I wanted to go to a place that I thought would, would make me into that. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things that I was thinking about. It's really hard for me to say, you know, now that I'm a resident, what are the gems? Okay. Um, if you want me to go into some of our rotations that I think are phenomenal right now, I'm happy to do that. Sure. Um, you have a couple I minutes. Think, yeah, totally. Um, one of the things that um, that was hard for me in applying to fellowship is that I pretty much loved every rotation. Um, and um, it was really, really difficult for me to choose um, because part of when you're rotating or when you're doing rotations as a resident, part of like what you like is, is affected by who you're with. And so when you're with people that you enjoy and you're learning and you're doing and you're having fun, you're like, I love spine. I love Mm -hmm. peds. I love hand. I love trauma. I love joints. And it's really hard to like, when you're applying a fellowship, you're like, okay, I have to take all the fun out of it. What procedures do I like the best? Like regardless of who I'm with. Um, And uh, because at Davis, like, our spine experience is second to none. Like it is, it is unbelievable as a resident, our spine experience. And um, there are two spine fellows um, uh, every year. But um, when I was a three and a four is when we, when we do spine, I didn't double scrub a case. Um, That's huge. And, and uh, actually I take it back. I double scrubbed two cases one was a c2 den screw um that the fellow retracted and i did um as a three and um and then one other case a fellow scrubbed was a tumor um of the spine that um he pretty much sucked smoke while i did the case with the attending um so those two those two cases in my residency i double scrubbed in spine and what I mean, like your 
just it's just you and the attending i mean it like it doesn't matter what case you're doing if you're doing an occiput to c4 fusion the attending does his side and you do your side that means i'm drilling into the skull i'm drilling into c1 c2 i'm i'm instrumenting i'm putting all the pedicle screws in i'm doing the decompression you know there's nothing that like gets your sphincter tone higher than like the attending handing you the mm-hmm. Midas Rex or the high-speed Burr and being like, hey, why don't you go through the lamina up here at C3, 4, and 5? Uh, go all the way till you see the Dura, but please don't cut the Dura. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, like super intense, but like that was my first case as a 3 was a, a C2 to C7 posterior spinal decompression infusion. And the attending was just like there. I mean, he had his hands right there, but he didn't touch it. And, um, that's how you do every case. You do all the decompression yourself on your side. You instrument everything on your side. You do the approach, you do the closure. Like it is, you start to finish on your side. Um, and it doesn't matter if that's a T10 to pelvis, like a monster case, mm-hmm. um, with a PSO or like, you know, osteotomies and stuff, or if that's an ACDF, or if you're doing like minimally invasive T lifts, like, it is unbelievable. All the fellows that I've talked to who I've worked with are like, you guys have the most insane experience as threes and fours. Because essentially we get the same experience as the fellows do. Yes. Like the fellows aren't double scrubbed either. And so wow. like we pretty much get a fellowship level experience um, as residents. It's it's just amazing. That sounds unbelievable. Phenomenal. It was super hard for me not to wow. choose spine. I love spine. Uh, I think that speaks a lot and, to your operative autonomy and how much you get to actually do that. Not all of us really get to see from, from obviously from virtual and from another state, unless, unless we do a sub internship, but that speaks volume to how much operative yeah. experience you guys get. Totally. And it, it's, it's graduated. So I will say that as an intern, you're not operating independently. Mm-hmm. As a two, you're not operating independently. It begins to happen as a three. And then by the time you're a three and a four, you are, you are doing cases. Um, you know, by the time you're a five, you're, you're doing them pretty much independently. Um, the attendings are always in the room. Um, and, um, so it's, it's a safe environment, but, um, the, uh, certainly, and, and every attending and every resident is different, right? Mm-hmm. So, You've got to demonstrate hands that he's got to trust how you're going to do it. You have to pay attention to the details. Like, but if you do your part uh, the attendings are phenomenal, um, at, at really helping you to learn to operate. Um, and yeah, I think that early on, um, uh, you know, every, every residency I think has to have six months of orthopedics as an intern. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, so for us, it's the same way. We have six months of ortho as an intern and then six months that you're not doing ortho. You're doing, um, general trauma, you're doing burn ICU, you're doing radiology one block. Um, they've kind of changed a little bit since I was an intern, but, um, and so those six months, you know, you're, you're just an intern. You're just learning how to like do orders and write notes mm-hmm. and, you know, learn the hospital, get lost in the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, um, and so you don't, you don't really, I mean, you're there in cases and stuff, but you're not really operating as an intern and I don't think any intern should be operating really. 
um, you can do little bits and pieces and here, put it in an interlock or, Hey, why don't you put this plate on the, you know, on a radius or something, but, um, it, so it's definitely graduated. You're not like right out the gate. Every case is yours. Um, but as you sort of demonstrate your competency and your preparedness, uh, the attendings really let you go. For sure. And you kind of set the tone very high, but the next question, I don't think you're able to beat whatever you just said, but what sets your program apart? I think there's, you know, every program has different characteristics, right? Some programs um, are massive. They have a hundred faculty member, you know, you've got 60 co-residents, you know, you're with a bunch of big names. There's lots of research going on, but you could get lost. I think our program size is appropriate in that it's big enough that um, you're not the lone guy holding the rock in the ER, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, um, we're small enough that everybody knows everybody. Um, and, um, our faculty number is not huge, um, but it's big enough to, to provide the volume that you need as a resident. Uh, I think the, just the balance in our program is very awesome. Um, and so I talked about how it was kind of a trauma heavy program and we do do a lot of trauma. It, it adds up to, I think almost a full year if you add up all the blocks throughout residency. Um, uh, but um, we have also a, an unbelievable, I, I know I use this for spine and I'm going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> I'm trying to top it. But our PEDS experience is incredible. So we have this awesome uh, partnership with the Shriners Hospital of Northern California, which is literally across the street. We rotate there as a two and a three. Um, and for those who don't know, Shriners, um, is one of two hospital systems, uh, in the country that don't actually have to build patients. Every other hospital system has to. And so, um, it's just a a hospital for kids. Um, but it, it ends up being this like quaternary referral center because the people there, um, are, are world-class. And so we do a ton of, um, just insane crazy things there you also do spine there is it two and a three i remember doing like a uh, scoliosis case the kid had a 180 degree curve wow um just just insane stuff um and we do a lot of like cp work and guided growth um and at shriners it's kind of the uh we always say it's like it's like what you thought residency would be before you went to med school. <laughs> and what I mean by that is <laughs> it literally runs by itself. Um, they don't need you in clinic. You do very minimal like notes, if anything. But uh, everybody is there for your education, pretty much. Like you operate first clinic if you're available. Um, so you pretty much operate every day. It's just you and the attending. Uh, and the attending is world-class doing really complex cases and you know as a two you're doing this as a three you're doing this um uh, doing really complex stuff like one of the things that they do a lot is what we call semel surgery or single event multi-level surgery so like a kid with real bad cp you know we'll do a derotational femoral osteotomy a tibial osteotomy um We'll do some uh, hamstring lengthenings. We'll um, do a, an extension osteotomy in the knee. Like you'll do like three osteotomies and reroute some tendons, you know, sometimes bilaterally 
all in one go. And Oof. like that's like a lot of surgery. That's a lot it's of really surgery. complex. Major surgery. But it's major surgery, but you're doing it as a resident, as a two and a three. And like it's it's rare that the attending's like, hey, let me do this part. I don't think that that happened when I was a two or a three. Uh, and then we also, and the Shriners doesn't have an ER. So you're, you're, when you're over there, the call is really light. It's kind of like, Hey, this kid got a wet cast or whatever. Um, and then as a four, we do peds at Davis, which handles a lot of the peds trauma. Um, and we do a lot of peds trauma. Um, and our attendings are phenomenal at Davis as well. They also work at Shriners, but, um, uh, I'd say about half the, the Shriners faculty work at Davis as well, um, uh, doing peds. And um, it's it's a tough rotation as a resident, for sure, as a four at Davis, um, uh, especially when you don't have an intern. <laughs> but, um, but you operate pretty much every day. Um, initially, the attendings kind of, hey, this is how I want you to do it, and they'll show you a case. And then pretty much every case thereafter, they're like, they're, if you need them, um, watching very closely, but, and, and coaching you through it, but, uh, you know, you're operating independently. Um, it's not unusual for them not to scrub, um, for simple stuff. And, um, it's, it, our peds experience is just incredible. It's so incredible. In fact, that, um, uh, the Shriners rotation as a three, you're the chief of the service as Shriners, mm-hmm. um, but you have a four or um, from UCSF who actually come from San Francisco to Sacramento for a block uh, to get that experience because they don't have anything comparable uh, in SF. That speaks volume. Um, and St. Mary's also also sends a resident um, and uh, uh, for, for that experience. And we get to do it twice as a two and a three, and it's incredible. Um, you know so yeah our spine experience is crazy our peds experience is crazy our trauma experience is awesome um so i think that it's it's rare to have a program that has such balance um without being like some massive behemoth of a mm-hmm. machine um so for a reasonably sized program we have top-notch quality in so many fields i honestly did not think you could have beat the spine experience when you talk to it pediatrics and oh you already set the program it's awesome you definitely distinguished that program apart from anything else but the next question i want to ask you is about research is there time available for research so this is something that's changing uh when i when i joined the program we were very blue collar you know everybody talked about you know you're just gonna you're gonna learn to operate we don't really care about research our new chair that's changed. And so from in the last year, I think um, he actually just gave like a updated state of the department address uh, this morning, actually. Um, and some of the stats he showed were that we've had a 43% increase in publications mm-hmm. last year to this year. Um, and so uh, that is changing. They've added some support staff. Um, uh, the faculty do do research Um you know, historically, the residents kind of would like, you have to do the mandatory ACGME, you know, find a, a project or something and get something publishable or published by the end of residency. Um, and it really wasn't something that Davis did well or much of. Um, and that's like big time changing. Like 
big time changing. They're adding a bunch of uh, support staff and doing a, a bunch more collaborations with the UC Davis Vet School, which happens to be number one in the nation, probably in the world, and uh, a bunch more with public health and things like that. Um, and so I'd say it's it's going to be awesome for whoever gets to join it now. For me, it has I'm kind of like just on the back end of research really ramping up. Um, there historically has not been a dedicated research block. Um, and so we tend to do our research just kind of when you can. Mm -hmm. um, I know that they're talking about adding a protected research block for all the residents. Um, it certainly isn't finalized yet, but I think that that will be coming. Um, and likely for, you know, the guys who are applying and going to be an intern in what, a year or two. Um, I think very likely they will have a, a dedicated research block. Um, but um, yeah, there's, there's still like a bunch of attending, all the attendings do research and they're happy to have you. Um, but it's just not like a huge, a huge part of residency previously. And they're really beginning to make it a, a much bigger deal. Um, and I think that with additional support and additional um, sort of importance placed on it, um, it's just going to take the department to that next level. Um, and then as far as like your research requirements, even though they're kind of ramping up, you know, how important they think research is, it still is just the ACGME minimum, okay. uh, which is you have to have a, a work of publishable quality by the time you graduate. It doesn't have to be published technically, um, but at Davis, they definitely uh, do expect you to publish something. And um, they're kind of changing things a little bit. It used to, like, like I said, when I started, nobody cared. They were just like, hey, why don't you have something before you graduate? Now, um, they actually have a dedicated faculty member who is in charge of helping residents find a project. And so the interns even start kind of working on ideas. And then um, the twos actually um, present a research idea um, at graduation. So all the graduating chiefs will present their research at graduation. And then the twos will also give like a little, hey, this is my idea, this is my project, this is what I plan to do. And it's kind of an open session a, a little bit in terms of they get feedback about, hey, maybe when you're planning your study, you make sure to think about this or that. Um, but it's nice now that they have direction and mentorship uh, a lot more support in finding research that you want to do early, um, which certainly wasn't around when I started and would have been awesome. <laughs> but um, uh, it's something that they've implemented now and um, the juniors are really, really appreciate. Thank you for answering that question. And I think that a lot of the applicants this cycle want to know if there will be a dedicated research block as some of us do want to have that research experience. And it's great that the culture is changing towards facilitating more research for at least for the new incoming residents. So I think that's a good, yeah. I think that's a good change. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. And certainly there's the, the six year block, you know, uh, program. So guys who are like, Oh, I want, I love research. I have, you know, I want to do a bunch of research. Um, that, that uh, additional year of research um, has been historically super productive. One of our chiefs last year, um, he's probably like the most well-published guy on kinematic total knees in the country, probably, as a resident. 
uh, with with one of the the founders of uh, that sort of concept. It's, sorry, I know I'm in the weeds a little bit, but it's a way of doing total knees. It's very different than uh, traditionally done. Okay, it's not it's not rare for the guy who does that year to come up with you know maybe ten pubs that year. Like that seems like a lot, but they seem to crank them out pretty good. Okay. Um, that's always a good sign. So yeah, for, for, for people who are like, I want to do it. Like there's definitely research to be done. Um, for me, I was never like, Oh, I want to do research. I was kind of like, do I have to do research? <laughs> um, <laughs> so for me, it's never been like something I was like super stoked about. Um, but certainly it's there. Um, and I think that the, the, you know, every year they kind of talk to us, um, the program director and, Hey, what can we change? What, and, um, you know, we've been for probably the last two years asking for, um, a research block. And I think that they're going to, um, try and find a, a time to put it in. Um, that being said, some of our rotations are pretty light. Like when you're on sports, you've got a lot of time, like I'm on sports right now, which is why I'm doing this with you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> But you've got plenty of time for research. Um, and, uh, yeah, for me, it wasn't a huge deal. Historically, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, it's definitely, like, ramping. And it, UC Davis, um, even in terms of just funding for uh, grants and stuff, um, is doing really, really well, um, uh, especially with our new chair, uh, Dr. Randall. He's is definitely moving moving the needle on that one nice nice so the next question i want to ask is what is the gauntlet of residency such as like <laughs> what the most difficult year oh. and the most difficult period uh-huh. of your residency yep. for sure i feel like that laugh uh, you gave is going to give me some oh, yeah. give, give us awesome high oh, yield man. information so i i you're talking to a guy who loves residency and i'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment um, and so, <laughs> um, I would say probably no matter what program you go to, your second year is going to be a challenge. And the reason is as an intern, you're just like trying to find where the bathrooms are. How do I put this order in? How do I get the nurses to stop bothering me? And you're learning a little orthopedics as a two, that's your full-time ortho now ortho is your job full time and so you know there's that whole like drinking from the fire hose in med school analogy mm-hmm. that people talk about it's all over again your second year you are drinking from two fire hoses it is um unlike a lot of other residencies most people do not get taught any orthopedics in medical school so if you're an internal medicine doctor residency is kind of like you know just extra medical school if you're an orthopedic resident it is completely different um and there is a ton to learn and as a two that's when you tend to take a lot of er call i think in every program that's it that's when you really get your feet wet and your hands dirty um for us for sure that's it um as a two um the rotations that you currently do are um trauma so we usually do five blocks per year. Um, and so that breaks down to about 10 or 11 weeks each block. Um, as a two, you'll do trauma. Um, you'll do sports. Um, you'll do 
uh, trauma again. Um, you'll do um, uh, Shriners. Um, and then let's see, what else do you do as a two? And then I think you do Hand. Um, and um, having those, the two trauma blocks um, is a lot as a two. Um, during those blocks, uh, each block is, let's say, 10 weeks long. Five of the daytime guy, and five of those weeks you'll be the night float guy. Uh, we do have a night float uh, for consults and stuff in the ER, which um, I think is phenomenal. And I don't know how residencies do it without night float systems. Um, it protects everybody else, um, and it really increases your productivity when you're not the night flow guy. When you are the night flow guy, that's your like, put on your big boy pants. It's time to learn. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be busy. Um, like I said, UC Davis is a pretty trauma heavy program and we see a lot of trauma. Um, I think, um, at least in the state of California, we're certainly the highest number of trauma activations by like a thousand. Um, and uh, a lot of those have orthopedic injuries too. And so, um, yeah, you do, you know, five weeks of nights, um, you do five uh, nights a week and then uh, the weekend you have off. Um, and so um, for some people who like nights, it's great. Um, for people who don't like nights, it's pretty hard. Um, and then you, at, during that time, you are super busy, like, uh, some programs you'll sit down on call, some programs you'll sleep on call. Um, that is exceptionally rare that you have a, a chance to like sleep or, sleep. uh, rest, uh, when you're doing night float, you are pretty much running a gun and, uh, usually start at 5 PM and you finish uh, in the morning. Um, triage is when we do, um, you essentially present all your consults overnight, um, and it's a, that's actually another strength of our program I didn't mention is that every morning at triage, all the consults get presented. There's at least one resident from each service represented. Usually everybody's there. Um, so it's often the whole residency there. There's always um, a trauma attending. Usually there's four trauma attendings. Uh, there is uh, when spine is on call, which is every other week. Uh, the spine attending and fellow will be there. Uh, there's usually the joints attending there. There's a peds attending there um, and often a hand fellow. And so um, it's a little daunting as a two to get up in front of everybody and say, this is what I did last night. Um, but the learning is incredible. It's not a lot of places, you know, triage is run by a chief resident or a four or something like that. Um, but we essentially get AO basic every single morning from AO basic uh, and advanced instructors on trauma. And so our learning uh, in, at triage is incredible. Um, not to say it's not hard when you're the guy up there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of people get nervous being up in front of everybody. Um, but it's actually a really good learning time to learn how to present, how to speak to other surgeons um, how to use appropriate language and describe things, you know, um, and, and, um, and everybody gets to learn from it. So it's not like 
you know, you just get individual feedback, you get feedback, but everybody gets to learn at the same time. Um, and so, uh, triage is usually at six forty-five. Um, and so yeah, the night flow guys are from five, uh, 5 PM until six forty-five, uh, five nights a week. Um, that's a pretty good grind. Um, uh, there's no two ways about it. That's a lot of time at night and I'm not really a night kind of person. And so I was pretty grouchy by the end, (laughs) Um, but I loved it. It was the first time really that you truly feel yourself coming into that. Hey, I'm an actual doctor now. Like I make decisions and I help people myself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times as a medical student, as an intern, you're kind of around, you're kind of involved, but there's always somebody sort of uh, telling you what to do at the end of the day. Um, as a two on ortho taking, we call it five eight oh nine. That's the pager. That's our, our consult pager. Um, you're taking, um, you know, hand spine and general trauma call. Um, and, uh, you know, every other week, uh, neurosurgeons take spine and um, uh, every other day uh, plastics takes hands. So you, it's not, every day all day triple threat but yeah when you're triple threat you are busy you are cranking um it wasn't uncommon for me to hit like you know 24 25 consults overnight which is a lot (laughs) definitely Um, sounds like throwing you into the deep end on the pool type of action oh for sure it's really fun to like you know, you hear 911, you know, go off overhead and you run to the recess bay and there's like the general surgeons and there's like a thousand of them. And they're all like yelling and screaming and hollering and oh, where's orthopedics? And you walk up and they're like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, there's arterial bleeding. And you're like, OK, let me see. And you're like, oh, I put my finger on it. It stopped now. Everybody can calm down. Um, like, it's just really cool. Like the, the general surgery attending is going to look at you as a two and be like, what should we do? And you'll just tell them. And initially that's super scary and overwhelming, but like you get into it and you learn and then you're like, Oh, I actually know this. I can handle this. And then it's really fun to like, you just kind of, you're, you know, you just feel like I'm being a doctor here. I'm making yeah. a difference. And um, So night float is this like awesome mix of, I finally have real responsibility. Um, I'm like hustling. I'm working. I'm learning so much. I am really busy, but I'm really doing orthopedics and it's a blast. Um, it's it's a, a ton of fun. And so I would say pretty much everybody in our residency would say night float is probably the hardest thing that we do. Um, there's always a chief on with you. I'm actually the chief on tonight. <laughs> um, and so I already checked in with my yeah. two. Uh, he's chilling and, um, you know, he can call me and text me anytime he wants. Um, and so he always has coverage. He can always get a hold of me. There's always an attending on. Um, and, but uh, the guy who's on tonight, he's, he's super comfortable. He's super self-sufficient. You know, um, he may call me if something crazy comes in, but probably he's not going to. Uh, That's great. And and as a two, you get to that point where you can pretty much handle anything um, that you would see in an ER. Um, so it's a super hard, challenging point, but it's super growth, like super high yield. Awesome stuff. Great. Great. And the next question I want to ask is, if there's one thing you can change about your program, 
you you mentioned a lot of strengths, but if you could change one thing, what would it be? Yeah, if I could change one thing about my program, what would it be? Um, this is a pretty easy one for me to answer, actually. Okay. So I'm going into joints. Um, I really like joints. I really wish we had more joints. Um, and um, we do get a, a good joints experience, but there are a lot of places that are high volume, high throughput, a lot of joints get done. Um, our institution is not that way yet. They had not developed a same day joint program. Um, they're going to launch that in the next month or two. Um, so I guess for future applicants, this may not be the case. And maybe, maybe this is the one thing I wanted to change that is going to change. Uh -huh. um, but I didn't feel like I got enough reps. I didn't feel like I got enough uh, knees and hips. Um, we do get both posterior and anterior experience. Uh, part of that is we partner with uh, Kaiser Permanente and we spend um, two blocks over there as a four. And, um, you know, you do four anterior hips a week uh, when you're over at Kaiser uh, on the general rotation. Um, and uh, most of uh, the hips at Davis uh, proper are posterior. Um, I would love to see a little bit more mix. And then I would just love to see more get done. Um, most of the time they're doing three joints a day. The attendings don't run two rooms. Um, and so I would love for them just to just jack up their volume. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of residency programs do have strength in. A lot of places have almost a, a joint mill uh, environment um, and they can crank. And so some residents are like super comfortable with doing total joints and that's awesome. And I wish we had a little bit more volume in that respect okay that's probably it though i appreciate the transparency and i think it kind of highlights your honesty and as the situation at uc davis i mean which does speak like and it's great that you're doing a fellowship and it kind of adds more experience for what you want to do in joints and sure. and i'm partial i'm sure somebody <laughs> would say something else is of course it, it's, <laughs> is the most important but for opinions. me who loves joints we need more we need joints. more joints we need to do more <laughs> and on, on the topic of change um mm -hmm. is there any input for residents to make for change and is there any avenues that you can go about doing it? and you mentioned before that you have the phone numbers of the attendings is there an actual formal op, like procedure that you there go is through? now um when Dr. Randall joined us as chair, he implemented something uh, called the resident letter. Okay. And the resident letter is that um, every year, um, everybody in, in each class gets together and they uh, write a letter to the faculty. And you write it for all the rotations that you did that year. Um, and so all the chiefs will get together and we'll say, hey, these were the five rotations we did. Um, you know, first rotation, this was what was great. This was, is what um, we'd like to see changed. These are our action items. Uh, second rotation, this is what we liked. This is what we'd like to change. These are our action items. And each class gets to do that. Um, and so, you know, uh, the trauma service gets a, an evaluation from a five, a three, the two, and an intern. Um, uh, actually, I don't think the interns do. Um, 
uh, and then, um, you know, same with joints and peds and everything like that. And, um, and then that letter gets sort of compiled and, um, you know, there's a, somebody gets designated from each class to sort of polish it up, write it up, um, uh, and clean it up a little bit. So it's legible and not in standard residence speak. Um, and, uh, and then it gets presented at the faculty meeting and there's a representative from each class uh, typically there, um, uh, to interface with the faculty directly about the changes that we'd like to see implemented. Um, and, um, that's only been happening since he's been here. So for the past two years, um, but it, uh, does change things. Um, we, I was very pleasantly surprised that I was in the middle of a rotation when the letter came out the first time. And the very next day I saw the change that I wanted. Wow, that's quick. And it and it persisted. And part of it is just attendings need to know that what the residents need and want. And then they also need to know that it's important to leadership. Um, and with Dr. Randall kind of bringing that in and making that just part of the yearly evaluations, um, I really do think that there is an avenue for change. Um, and that's kind of on the formal level. Um, informally, um, like I said, the attendings are very approachable and I have been able to change things specifically for my rotation. I'd say, Hey, this is like what I want to do. This is how I want to talk to you before cases and what I'd like to accomplish. Is that okay with you? And they're like, Oh yeah, I told you that's, that's great. And so, um, you know, it would sort of change my experience in that, that standpoint. And so it, you have that both like the, the big formalized method for change, um, as well as like these things are just approachable and you can just talk to them. Um, and they're usually super uh, accommodating and welcoming um, to, to improve your, your education if you're willing to engage with them on that level. Definitely. Um, we also just every rotation. I mean, there's like a thousand surveys we all do, right? Yeah. But, Even in med school, um, you know, of course, you know, and it's like, you know, one to nine or one to five, whatever <laughs> the ranking system is. Right. Yep. And so we do that for the, um, for each rotation and you can put in like confidential comments and stuff like that too. Um, that if you wanted to direct it, um, you know, say, Hey, this was terrible. or This was, you know, I want this changed or whatever. Um, there's that Avenue as well. Um, but I think every place has that. I think the, the real difference that I saw with that resident letter is, is just awesome. It's huge. Right. And I think I heard along someone said that if a residency program isn't changing or isn't adapting, then they're prepping for failure because there always has to be some degree of change, at least to accommodate. So I think change it's great. Is the only constant, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, you have to adapt. So the next question I want to ask is, you might be partial here, but what subspecialty is the best experience? Oh, that is so hard. Um, and you talked a lot about spying. It's and a dead, it is a, it is a dead heat uh, between spine, peds, trauma. Um, I mean, it's, whew, I don't know that I could even call that. Uh, that race is too tight. They're oh, wow. very different, but um, I'm not even going to any of those three, right? But um, both, both as on spine and on 
on peds you get a fellowship level experience pretty much from the get-go um on trauma you start you know you do a bunch of night float and stuff like that and so you're not really a fellow level but when we're a chief uh there's two trauma fellows um and there's one uh resident chief um you are treated as a fellow and so the chief and the two fellows just have a three-week rotation there's one week you're in clinic one week you're in the urgent room one week you're in the elective room um and there's no differentiation between the trauma chief and the the fellows um and so in all three of those you end up with a fellowship level experience um what was my favorite? Oh, I don't know if I could say this online. Um, <laughs> you don't have to, but, but I'm sure everybody I, wants to. I would. Uh, that's that's so hard to say. I I absolutely loved all of those. Um, that's fair. That's fair. I would say, yeah, it's really hard to call. I think our spine, like, there's a lot of places that do peds well, and we do peds really, really well. I don't believe that there's a place that does spines better. Um, I truly don't. Okay. Um, and so, we'll even keep though it. I'm not doing spine, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep us dead I, heat. I think you would be you'd be very hard pressed to find any place better in spine. For sure, well. for sure. And we'll keep at that. I won't pressure you too hard. But okay. the next question I want to ask is: Are there any services that that you find difficult to complete your case requirements? Uh, no. Um, okay. I would say, would I love like having done 500 total knees? Yeah. Am I close to 500 total knees? No, I'm not. Are some places close to 500 total knees? Yeah. Um, I would say joints is the only thing that we really uh, would benefit from additional volume. Are we able to hit our requirements easily? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I've definitely, you know, this is the first block of my chief year my requirements um i think um i think the requirements for peds is like 200 cases and i'm like well over 500 easily and i haven't don't tell my program director but i haven't logged all my cases either <laughs> yeah oh i'm sure i'm sure uh, so i don't even know what my real number is on peds, that, but it's that speaks volume i mean like it puts things into perspective and relative where you stand and when you say you need more joints mm -hmm. but when you actually realize that you do more cases than you actually meet the minimum, then it kind of brings things to a different kind of tier. And of course, yeah, we all want more, more of whatever we want, mm -hmm. but it's great. For sure. Okay. The next question is, you kind of, you kind of touched on this earlier, but how often are you yeah. double scrubbed? And you mentioned twice in it, spine. Yeah. It, it depends on the service and your year. Okay. Um, and so... Um, peds, for instance, I... Let's see, did I ever double scrub a Pete's case? Yeah, the only time I double scrubbed a Pete's case, maybe there was one other time, but the the only one I can remember off the top of my head is um, kid had a um, anterior hip dislocation, a pelvic ring injury, and an open solaris distal radius. And so we just scrubbed two teams so somebody could work on the um, both injuries at the same time. So it wasn't technically... The same patient, maybe not the same case. Um, okay. So that doesn't really count. That doesn't really count then. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't like peds. Is, every once in a while, you'll double scrub a peds spine case. You know, like if you're doing 180 degree curves, the fellow's going to want to be there, you know. 
you know, vertebrectomies and stuff um, uh, in like syndromic kids. A lot of times the fellow wants to be there, but um, if a fellow is with you at shrine, uh, scrubbing a spine, for instance, because they don't scrub anything else really, um, usually the attending's like, all right, this half the case you're doing, this half the case you're doing. And uh, so you don't compete with them on peds at all. Um, as, let's see, let's go through the services. Um, spine, like I talked about, you almost never double scrub. Um, I guess you could if you wanted to. If you wanted to go in the room, you could probably go in and steal pedicle screws from him. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't, he's, he doesn't come into your room, so it's probably bad for him. Um, uh, so no competition for cases. Uh, spine peds um, uh, with hand. Uh, I don't really think you're ever double scrubbed. There is a hand fellow, um, uh, but usually there's more than one attending doing something on a given day. Um, with joints, um, joints, we have three attendings, um, I guess four now. Um, and, uh, there's usually a five and a three and then, um, uh, that's usually about it. And so you're, and then the fellow, the joints fellow. Um, and so sometimes you double scrub, um, with the fellow, um, because one of the attendings likes an extra set of hands uh, for attraction. But when you're with the other two attendings, uh, there's no double scrubbing. Um, and um, foot and ankle, you don't double scrub. We talked about hand. We talked about joints. Oh, sports. Um, you only double scrub if you don't have anything to do. Um, I think I've double scrubbed uh, three cases with my two this year i'm on sports currently um i walked him through the first case and then i sat on a stool and watched him do the second two cases so technically scrub but not really competing um and um yeah just because i thought it was his turn um and what am i forgetting anything in terms of the disciplines oh tumor uh one thing i haven't talked about um uh, in tumor, uh, the tumor volume here is increasing. Dr. Randall is a tumor surgeon. Uh, he built uh, Utah, um, and he brings you know world class expertise in tumor uh, to our program. Our program did not have tumor for a while, um, so before I started residency, they actually didn't have a tumor uh, attending, um, and so they didn't have like a robust sarcoma program or anything. Um, they now have two tumor attendings, and they're building that. Um, but their volume and referral patterns probably aren't quite there. Um, and so for big tumors, um, uh, you do double scrub somewhat. And in those cases, there is a tumor fellow. Um, he's going to be doing a lot of the, um, you know, the actual, um, excisions and stuff, um, for, for the big tumor stuff, but for, for small tumors or prophylactic nails, met stuff, uh, you don't usually double scrub. Okay. You kind of covered huge, like all the ranges. So it's great that you, I think yeah. the opportunities to double scrub is very minimal. It seems like you can even count on the top of your, or your hand. You can only count certain instances yeah. where you were double scrubbing. So I think that's a good thing. It's a good sign. Yeah. I Definitely. mean, I would say in those, I forgot to mention trauma. So um, trauma is the one exception in that there, um, as a junior, you are usually double scrubbed. 
So okay. as a three or a two, you are usually with either a fellow or a chief. Um, and um, it's frequent that you're not with a, a, a chief or a fellow, like running another room or something like that. But um, I would say most cases we'll have two residents in for trauma. Um, do I think that that's a problem? Um, I did when I was a junior. When I was a junior, I was like, man, why the fellas got to be in here taking my case? I want to do this build column as tabulum. And I'm like, what am I saying? I'm a two. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> now that I'm a chief, I'm like, okay. It was very, I think, level appropriate uh, for the most part. And so you get an incredible education. The uh, volume that you do is, is high. Um, would it be nice for the residents if there were maybe one less fellow maybe but the fellows actually work pretty good at davis they work pretty hard and so then the residents have more work to do so i think the fellows are worth it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and especially because by the time i'm a chief i am the fellow essentially and so um if you look at it as like when you're a two are you double scrubbed yeah you are um when you're a chief are you double scrubbed yeah you are but you're the you're the top dog in that case and so it's not a problem and okay. yeah, sometimes you're the junior and you're holding traction for a long time. You know, you got to get your workout mm-hmm. in. Um, <laughs> but that's just part of it. Um, and so I would say most services were not double scrub. Trauma, we do double scrub quite a bit. Um, could that be better? It could be. Uh, do I think it's a big problem? No, I don't. Okay. Okay. Just because our volume, the amount of trauma that we do. Like I said, we do about a year's worth of trauma in the five years. So you Mm -hmm. can think about one, you know, we have five blocks per year and you're doing one block a year of trauma. So in five years, you're going to do a full year. Yep. And in second year, you do two blocks, like you said before. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next question I want to ask is, are there any opportunities for global electives or any kind of global opportunities? Yeah. So, um, Currently, there aren't because there's COVID shut everything down. But yeah, um, no, it's kind of a bummer for my uh, for my class. Um, I'll talk about as a chief, we have one block that is split um, sports and elective. Choose what you do with that elective, and so you know you got to be doing orthopedics. But um, we've had people go to um, Nepal. We've had people go to Korea. Japan, China, Spain, um, I think Switzerland, um, Germany. um, And I know this year one of the guys was planning to do his away in, uh, uh, I believe, in China, but that got shut down, obviously. Um, And so, but you can also do it local. So I'm going to be doing a local uh, away, if you will. Um, still in California, but with, um, with Dr. Howell, who's a pioneer in kinematic, um, knee replacements. And that's something that I want to learn about. Um, and so, yeah, as a chief, it's kind of built in, um, you get, um, a chance to do an elective and some guys use that to target a job that they want. So some guys will say, well, I know that I have to live in this town because my family, I want this job. I'm going to go work with these guys for four weeks as an extended job interview. Um, so some guys use it that way. Um, most people use it as 
going away, uh, getting a cool experience, um, learning something from a, a different country or culture. Um, and sometimes that's like you're at like a top end, you know, um, uh, joints experience in Germany um, uh, at some really like advanced um, hospital, or you could be in Nepal working like in this, you know, tiny little hospital and doing surgery without fluoro and stuff, you know, like, and so it's kind of what you make it, which is really cool. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so there's support for that and it's kind of built in. And it seems like the experiences are pretty varied, so it's always great, especially if you can do even a local one, whether it's in-state or even out-of-state. So there's a lot of flexibility, and I think that kind of shows For sure, the breadth yeah. of range. Okay. The next question I want to ask is, what are the format of your didactics, if you have didactics? Yeah. Um, so I think that there's probably, like, some ACGME mandates about, like, how much, how many hours of didactics you have to have per week or something like that okay um and so i think every program has to have some level of didactics um and ours is shifting a little bit it used to be when i started residency it was very traditional lecture style powerpoint um and then um but every attending is different like there's one of our attendings who will be like he'll show up and he'll be like hey we're going to talk about um acetabular fractures today and he just pulls up like our packs and he just like throws up some images and we just like talk through it. And those are like incredible. Um, those, those lectures. Um, and some are still a little more traditional lecture style. Some of the okay. tumor stuff where it's like, uh, you got to remember this stain <laughs> or translocation, kind of the drier stuff. A lot oh, of man. Lecture mm -hmm. based. Um, and, um, that is changing a little bit. It used to be what we would do is every Tuesday morning, we would have a grand rounds for uh, an hour and then we would have um, education for an hour after that. Um, and then on uh, Thursday and Friday morning, we also had an hour. Uh, I think they're, they're in the middle of beginning to change that to putting more of the lectures on one day. Um, the, one of the, the feedback things that we said was that, Hey, we would like, to not miss out on cases in the morning. On Can we put all of our didactic-y stuff at one time um, so that we can not miss the first case or the start of the first case um, uh, on multiple days? And so that's something that's that's changing now. Um, and um, But it is protected. I think there's mandated protection. And then... Um, each service currently is also does some lecture. So spine does a journal club every morning or excuse me, every Wednesday morning. Um, hand you actually, after Tuesday education, you go do hand education. And so um, they have an awesome um, upper, you know, extremity cadaver that um, you do dissections on and present on and, um, uh, you know, you actually, as the resident, do uh, the dissections and the presentations to the attendings and stuff. And that's like an incredible, uh, awesome educational time. And then each year, um, COVID hosed us this year, but um, each year um, we also get a couple of cadavers for the residency. And usually towards the back half of the year, uh, after the interns are kind of all done with their non ortho stuff. 
um, we, you know, sort of divide up the body and in, into different sections. And usually there'll be two people assigned to, uh, let's say the hip, for instance, and the junior will do an anatomy dissection. And then the senior will do a, um, a bunch of approaches, um, all the surgical approaches. And then, you know, we just walk the other residents through it. And then um, we do that every year. Um, and so that's, I guess that kind of ties into your next question. Um, you know, do we yep. have cadavers and stuff? For sure we do. Mm -hmm. um, there are animal labs. There are on campus. There are small animals. Um, uh, UC Davis is actually located in, or UC Davis Medical Center is located in Sacramento. UC Davis um, undergraduate and graduate campus is in Davis, which is about 20 minutes away or so. And on their facility, they have a vet school with like a large animal lab and all that kind of stuff. And so certainly people who are doing research over there, some guys have done research over there and working on sheep or, you know, uh, big animals. Um, and so if you, if anybody was interested in that and the guys who have been, there are tons of opportunities. The, you, the vet school does a ton of research over there. Um, and so, yeah, anybody who wanted to do animal labs for sure, it's available. Um, uh, for research and stuff. And then, um, yeah, as far as like other labs, um, there are a couple of, um, industry-based, um, labs like a block or two from the hospital. And so very frequently we'll go over there and, um, you know, just practice arthroscopy or, you know, I'm going to do a ankle ligament reconstruction or, um, yeah, and, and usually you just contact the attending and you say, Hey, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to scope, you know, practice scope some knees. And they'll be like, okay, when you want to do it? And you're like Friday. And they're like, cool. And they, they call up the lab and they make it happen. And you just go over there and you scope a bunch of knees or, um, and, um, uh, it's super good on sports and foot and ankle. Um, it's probably, um, when you have a little bit more time to actually do that stuff. And so, um, we, we do have that available, which is pretty awesome. I actually did my first scope today, well, simulation-wise. And it actually <laughs> is a lot harder than it actually looks. Oh, I man, think for sure. They rate you, like your score is based off of a couple criteria. One being oh, how yeah. fast you did it. Number two, did you yeah. do all the diagnostic criteria? And three, mm -hmm. if you scuffed up either the tibia or the femur. And I looked yeah. at the before and after picture. My femur was completely chalked up by how often i was like shoving the the scope sure. in there i was like oh my god this is a lot harder it's, than it's way hard man it's like attendings make it look really easy i know uh, it gets know. a lot easier it gets a lot easier we have one junior he does a lot of hand over hand like when you're mm -hmm. two and you're scoping stuff and um so you know your hand will be on the instrument and his hand will be on the back of the instrument and at first you're like wow I'm freaking arthroscopy Mozart. I am so good at this. And then he takes his hands off. And you're like, oh my god! <laughs> I'm not the Mozart. Oh. Uh, yeah, but he just like operates through you, and you don't even know it. And then he takes his hands off, and you're like flailing around. It's really, it's it's actually really uh, fun. But you kind of black that. and white difference, I'm sure. Oh, it's so crazy different. Uh, All right. The next question I wanted to ask is. Are there any support or ancillary staff? So that's usually PAs or mid-level providers like APRNs. And what are your yeah. relationships between the residents and those ancillary support staff? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, there aren't a bunch of PAs. Uh, we don't have a lot of PAs. I think we might have 
uh, one, we do have a lot of nurse practitioners. Okay. Um, and uh, I guess I use a lot, maybe a little bit loosely. We probably have, let me count them. I don't know, probably seven nurse practitioners or so. Um, and um, so we typically have uh, a nurse practitioner for trauma floor work um, uh, every day. Um, we have a nurse practitioner who covers uh, spine and joints. Um, they're hiring a new nurse practitioner for, uh, I believe, uh, peds, hand, and foot. Um, there's a nurse practitioner. Um, uh, let's see. I think there's one, there might be, um, uh, huh. what did I say? I already said the trauma one. I said, uh, hand. This, the, yeah, the hand peds one and then, uh, spine and joints. Um, and so you have floor coverage for not all of the services, but, uh, uh probably more than half of them, mm -hmm. um, currently. And I know they're going to add some more. Um, and, um, yeah, they, they, of course there's variability between how good so-and-so is versus so-and-so. Um, and so some, some providers you have to pay a little bit more close attention to just to make sure all the T's get crossed and I's get dotted. But, um, uh, for the most part, they're pretty independent and they can teach you a lot as a junior. They're like your best friend, um, because they're helping you out a ton. Or a med student. Um, <laughs> uh, for sure. We love med students. They're like, go get this. Go get that. You know, here, hold this. Uh, reduce this. Uh, especially mm -hmm. when you're like 25 consoles deep running around. Um, and then we have Castex um, available in the main hospital and at Shriners. Um, they're not there all night. I think they end usually around like 8.30 or 10 o'clock uh, most nights. Um, but during the day, you certainly have them. Um, and then um, the nurses, nurses um, uh, at Davis have, um, I mean, anytime you work with a bunch of people, you can't say nurses, right? Like there's, there's nurses and then there's nurses. And what I mean, is there's huge variability even between doctors and residents and who's good and who's not, you know, and you quickly learn which nurses like, are completely competent and don't need you at all. And which nurses like uh, you need to give very clear instructions to. Um, I think that's the same, no matter where you go. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately those relationships are up to you as a resident. You can totally be a jerk and have everybody hate you and they won't help you. That's totally up to you. Or you can um, be super kind and understanding and appreciative of their work and effort and, they will bend over backwards for you. And so uh, a word of advice to all incoming interns, uh, your first couple of services where you don't know anything, learn all the nurses' names and call them by their name every time you interact with them and say thank you a lot. And they will help you so much to learn how to be an intern. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've heard stories about interns walking around like headless chickens and the oh, nurses yeah. are there just watching and like oh, you can it can get help if you ask you just gotta ask yeah. so yeah that's just, right just a quick shout out to everybody out there for so sure. you be nice to your nurses for be sure nice and that goes with everybody like 
your scrub text, your ASDs, you know, there is no reason to be mean ever, even if mm-hmm. somebody's dumb. Um, being mean will only make things worse for you. Um, so be nice. Um, General golden rule. Treat everybody the way you sure. want to be treated. Absolutely. I remember my first day as an intern, I started on burn surgery. The very first day I was taking call and the very first day I coded someone by myself without any other doctors around. And Oof. I pretty much looked at the nurse and I said, what do I do? And she's Help. like, I think you should do this. And she like, you know, totally she... just saved the day. Uh, we saved the patient, but it was like one of those, oh my gosh, moments. Yeah. To being a real doctor. So y'all this get ready. This is what resonates like. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Um, I want to touch on evaluations if I can. How often and in what format are you being evaluated? Yeah. Um, so each rotation you get, um, you know, every attending that you work with will do some survey about you and put some little comment in and formative feedback and constructive feedback or whatever um, that, you know, and we rank all of the attendings, all the, the services and stuff. Um, I don't know how like helpful that that is for people. I mean, some people like a numerical score to say, oh, he had a, a good fund of knowledge and or whatever. But um, for me, that's not like super helpful in terms of, you know, because I want to I want to get better. And so that's one of the ways we're evaluated. Um, but more often, um, the evaluations are uh, more informal. They're like, hey, you did a good job today. This is what I thought you did well. This is what I think you need to work on. And the more you seek evaluation, the more you'll get it. Um, okay. Most most people in general don't offer critique or criticism. Um, uh, just you know, if you think about it, how often do people like correct how you say stuff? It's pretty unusual. But when you ask the attendings, like, hey, like, what did I do badly? What can I do better? Um, they're super, super um, good at giving you like actionable feedback. Um, and so there's the formal stuff, the surveys and all that stuff. Or I mean, not the surveys, but the, the rankings and whatnot. But the informal stuff, I think, is more valuable. Um, we are now, uh, ABOS um, is, is developing a, a new thing that probably eventually is going to be standard for all residencies. It's essentially like, um, you fill, you send a case to an attending and say, Hey, rank the resident on how we did surgically. Um, and they have a bunch of things that they fill out. And so we're doing that voluntarily currently. Um, I think that eventually that will probably be an ACGME thing throughout the country, but it also, it's roughly once a week, you just pick a case and you, um, you log onto this little website and you pick the attending and it sends them an email and then they sort of, um, evaluate you and you get feedback that way too. That's nice because that's more like instead of how did how did he do on trauma? It's like how did he do in this case on these things? Um, and so that's nice too. Um, and I think the timely constructive criticism is always helpful because especially since everything sure. is as as closer it is you are to the event, the better you are totally. at making the changes and adaptations to be better. Absolutely. So definitely it's like when they send me those you're, mm-hmm. I just, I, from what I'm hearing, just these attendings are super, super con- are attentive and they will give you the construction, constructive criticism if you ask for it. For sure. Um, sometimes when you don't ask for it, but most of the time when you ask okay. for it. Hopefully more often when you ask. For sure. Uh, they're really good about it. And then um, uh, the, as far as the, you know, the OITE, 
traditionally nobody in this program has really cared too much about what your OD score was. Um, it was kind of like, if you did reasonably well, no one would bother you. Um, if you did really <laughs> bad, people would bother you and tell you to do better. Now that's kind of changed a little bit. Um, I think since Randall's gotten here, we took our residency. Um, it's still not like a huge deal, but um, we were, I think we doubled our percentile, like our program rank nationally in a year, just because people took it seriously now. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, um, you know, we have, uh, I don't know, eventually you guys will know things but there's like some question banks and stuff of course you all know about ortho bullets but there are some formal ones um uh through aos uh like res study um there's another um online learning thing from jbjs that we have access to as well that has both questions and content so you can do as many oity questions as you would like and they're the real oity questions um and so you know if you're interested you can totally um, go to town on that. Um, I think it's now becoming more of a, something that we're paying attention to uh, just because that affects kind of how the program's considered nationally, not necessarily because people think the OID is the end all for orthopedics because in all honesty, it's a pretty crummy exam and I don't think it really reflects on how someone will be as a surgeon, but it's like any test, right? The MCAT exactly. and stuff. It's another, it's a, it's you all another hurdle. It, so, yeah, you yeah. got to do it. So, um, right. and yeah, if you do poorly on it, they're going to set up a study plan for you. They're going to like, um, and the main reason is that your OID score as a chief does predict um, your chances of passing your boards. And so, if you're below the 20th percentile as a chief on the OID, you're at risk of not passing boards. And so, that's why people take it seriously just because they want you to be studying so you pass boards. Okay. So on the topic of exams, um, for your in-service exams, are there any prep services offered, say, Cubans, yeah, didactic um, series, books? Totally. And so, of course, we get our didactics, uh, you know, all year long. Um, uh, right before the exam, or not right, but, but leading up to it, we often do, like, resident-run question sessions um, okay. uh, where we just, like, just – crank through questions, old OID questions. Um, usually a senior and a junior will be assigned a chunk of questions and they'll go through those questions and the, um, uh, the junior will kind of, you know, walk everybody through the, the question and the answer. And then the senior will provide some insights on the answer and why and more uh, just in-depth answers. Um, and so we do that uh, pretty regularly every year. Two banks, like I said, we have those two that the department pays for. Uh, they're awesome. So you can do, you know, there's, I don't know how many questions there are, but you can do the, like the last five OIDs, um, take the actual OIDs again, um, and then there's a huge bank. And then um, uh, one of our new spine attendings, who's actually a spine fellow here, he did residency at Harvard, um, uh, Dr. Hiley, he wrote a book called High Yield Orthopedics. Um, and he like transformed Harvard's OID scores in a year as a chief. Um, <laughs> and so he ended up writing a book as a chief on the OID. Um, and it's, I wouldn't call it like step one for orthopedics, but it's pretty dang close. Um, and uh, so last year he bought all of uh, the residents, uh, his book, um, and gave it to us. And a lot of us used it. And it was super, super good. 
It's like the first stage for orthopedics, huh? Pretty much. Uh, okay. If you, if you don't mind, I'm going to proceed with the next one, I think. The, the next one, oh. it's a combination of questions, but it's going to be good. So yeah. just talk about perks, and I would just bring it up, and you just tell me what UC Davis offers. For sure. Um, so any recent raises in salaries? So we actually did get a recent raise in salary. So I'm going to jump down to one of your bottom questions. Are we unionized? Last year, all the residents at UC Davis unionized. And so okay, I, I thought that was a little bit ridiculous initially. I didn't think we needed it. But then I got like a couple, like an extra thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, and so um, the union does a, a bunch of stuff. I'm not uh, super active in the union. We do have some residents in our program who are. Um, and, um, there are actually, I just submitted a survey for working a, a petition, one of the heads of the UC for increases in, or in fact, for a housing stipend for all residents. Um, Which is the second thing I was going to totally, ask you, living uh, stipend. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, currently we don't, uh, we just have the normal salary, um, okay. and, um, for California, Sacramento is relatively cheap, um, mm-hmm. You know, people think of San Diego, LA, SF as like super expensive, and they are. Uh, Sacramento is not that. Um, and as far as like where do residents live, how often do people buy versus rent? Um, most of us live within probably three miles of the hospital, most of us probably within a mile of the hospital. Um, I'm exactly one mile from the hospital. Um, I would say as far as rent versus buy, probably half of us or maybe more than half of us have bought houses. I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to be here for medical school. So I bought in medical school, but um, yeah, probably half buy or maybe even more now. Um, some people live a little bit further out because their wife works um, a little bit further out. And so they kind of split the difference for their commutes and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. other than a few of the residents, most people live really close. Um, it's, it's pretty cheap for California to live here. It, you know, I've okay. got two kids. Uh, my wife doesn't work and we're, we're super comfortable here in Sacramento. And so it's definitely a livable city on the, um, uh, the salary that we're provided. But of course, uh, a little extra would be nice. Hey, and in California, so you can't beat that. Yeah. So next thing I want to ask is food stipend. Totally. Do you get kind of a daily allotment? How does it work? Yeah, so uh, you get swipes on your card, and there's um, it's changed throughout residency. Like, it used to be they gave you some just ridiculous number of or amount of money on your card. Um, but then, of course, any good thing gets ruined by some small percentage of people and so i remember like toward the end of like i used to give it in like toward the end of like when your time's about to run out and they're going to redo your card people would go in there and just buy, buy like everything five cases of red bull like all the food and the cafeteria would be empty and so they they saw that that was being an abuse of the system so they cut way back on what we were given and then it used to be um, based on how much call you took, there was some multiplier. So if you were scheduled for so many call days, you had so much, you know, 10 bucks per call shift or whatever, or something like that. Um, I think this year though, they decided to give everybody the same amount, no matter how much call you take. 
Um, and I think it's around, um, I forget, I think it's like two and a half grand. Um, most as far as, but the real question is like, yeah, we get a food, you know, food stipend. How often do guys run out? Like (laughs) (laughs) most, most guys, uh, like I eat like at the hospital pretty much every day that I'm there. Um, at least a meal. And so, you know, I probably would run out of food on my card with a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks left. Um, so you're only paying for food, um, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks of the year. Otherwise, okay. uh, it's been more than enough for us. Uh, That's not too bad. So I guess no. the most important question coming up right now, the most important question in this interview is how is the cafeteria food? Dude, it is ridiculous. Hold on one second. My daughter no is problem. giving me a good night kiss. Daddy. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, thanks. No problem. Um, and um, yeah, the cafeteria is incredible. So it used to be pretty standard cafeteria food, but it was actually pretty good for a cafeteria. But in the last three, I think he's been there three years. They hired this like farm to fork cafeteria guy to manage the cafeteria. Oh and man. I don't know if you know about Sacramento, but um yes. Sacramento is kind of the farm to fork like center of kind of where it kicked off. Yes. And so the food scene in Sacramento is pretty dang good. Um and our cafeteria has like come along with that. And so um, you know, it's it's pretty there's always the staples. You can always get pizza. Pizza's not bad. Um, it's definitely a go-to in the middle of the night sometimes, but um, comfort food uh, for sure. Um, you're definitely more likely to find like a really good salad than you are like fried chicken, um, and that might turn some people off. But we also get like you know pork belly, street tacos, and oh, man. Indian food. Okay, and, like it's it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, that answers that yeah. question pretty well. So, I mean, I yeah. can't, I don't I've know how it's the food. Okay, this is how ridiculous. I've seen people come into the hospital just to eat at the cafeteria. I'm not saying it's a restaurant. It's not. But, like, some people in the community have treated it that way. <laughs> wow. You probably see Yelp review or something about the cafeteria you, It's food. possible. I haven't looked. That definitely sounds possible. Um, the next question I want to ask, is there a doctor's lounge? Um, so there are, there's attending lounges, um, okay. uh, the residents for some reason, well, not for some reason, cause these, I think don't want to hang out with us, but no, I'm kidding. Um, we don't have a resident lounge, but, um, in orthopedics, we have, um, uh, three resident call rooms with like beds and computers. And then we also have, um, uh, another call room that has uh, four computers and a futon and that's kind of our hangout spot. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we got like Christmas lights up and whatnot. That's kind of where we, that's our, our lounge. You know, there may or may not be a basketball hoop. And, um, that it doesn't, is nice leave, the, that it doesn't is, leave the room. It is, it is directly across the hall from the gym, um, which is actually a really nice gym. One of our residents, uh, uh, who was, was really big into working out, um, maybe it was two years ago. He joined one of the committees in the hospital to like improve residency 
and one of the things that he did was like kind of build this gym with him and it's actually a legit gym nice uh, now nice you don't have time to use it like all that often uh on like trauma but when you're on spine when you're on but it's there you know it's there it's there you can do it and it's close so definitely there's time to like you know uh get on a, a bike or run a mile on a, a treadmill or mm-hmm. use the, the squat rack or whatever. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I want to ask, does UC Davis provide lead and glasses or lead glasses mm-hmm. or yeah. you have to kind of borrow from a pool? Totally. So uh, currently all the lead is like pooled lead and then attendings buy their own lead. Mm-hmm. But um, we have this thing called the Lipscomb Alumni Society, which is like uh, old alumni who donate back. Uh, to orthopedics okay and um they have just announced that this year they're going to um and uh for the years to come plan on um getting lead as well as uh loops okay those head telescopes uh for hand peoples um i don't really like loops but um <laughs> it's there um, if you want it yeah, totally. And um, uh, my loops uh, for my class, um, they used to get them funded by industry, and then uh, that that stopped. And um, one of my attendings was like, "Hey, uh, you know, make sure you bring loops." And I was like, "Well, I don't have any loops." He's like, "Why not?" And I told him what happened, and he was like, "Okay." And the next week, um, he had bought loops for my entire class. <laughs> wow. Uh, and so like our, our faculty are super supportive. Um, they sound amazing already. Yeah. From what you've been telling me. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Parking included. Some parking, places don't have free yeah, parking. Free is parking. Not included. Parking not included. Uh, me and the parking guys, we've got beef. Uh, no, oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, they're, uh, yeah, that's one thing. Davis is, they're trying to promote everybody going green and carpooling and taking mass transit and stuff. And so I think they're disincentivizing parking, um, by charging you for it. Um, it is fairly expensive. Um, and it's not included for anybody. So nurses, attendings, residents, everybody pays for parking. Um, they're definitely, it's kind of a hospital system versus the parking, uh, people uh, i take it i think the park people don't get much fans so. no probably not um they probably got a lot of hate so uh, for sure understandably so uh, and uh and they're real good about giving you tickets if you parked in that, oh i'm sure you parked in I'm that sure. two-hour parking for a five-hour case they're gonna get you uh, <laughs> but uh, uh um, does... but it's actually pretty like i used to uh, a lot of guys ride their bike you know, so probably half the residents ride a bicycle to work um, mm-hmm. there are bike lockers um, a lot of times we just throw them down in the call rooms um, and uh, I used to do that but you uh, do enough trauma cases and you're like man maybe I'm going to drive a car <laughs> yeah I don't want to do it I don't want to deal with this All right. um, does UC Davis provide any resources say pay for your step 3 and study materials you already talked about the banks a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. the books but just want to add on top of that for like your boards. Yeah, I think uh, man, that's so long ago. I think step three is covered. Um, mm-hmm. Step three is one of those things like it ain't like step one or two. You pretty much just just take the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Although it does show up, everybody doesn't know this. It does show up on your fellowship application. So 
don't completely write it off like I did. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, most of us take step three when we're on like radiology, for instance, um, as an intern. Um, and I believe it is covered. Um, as far as books, there are some attendings um, who have like subscriptions to a bunch of books um, and um, uh, we can get access to those. Um, um, I mean, to be honest, most study materials are online these days. And so um, there are some of us who do like, like, you know, hard copies. Um, I know um, Chapman Orthopedics is a, is like a comprehensive orthopedic textbook that Dr. Chapman, who is one of the um, giants in our department, um, has published for many years. And so a lot of us actually as residents got chapters in that. I actually got a chapter or two chapters in there. Um, and so last year, all of us got the five volume set, which is essentially like the encyclopedia of orthopedics in every yeah. Um And uh, I'm not sure if that's gonna continue, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think most classes have gotten a full set. Um, okay, okay. Does UC Davis provide any insurance packages? Uh, yeah, so there's like, you know, basic health and dental. And I hear that our dental and our eye coverage is actually really good. Um, I don't go see the, the eye doc or whatever, but um, I've heard that, that I haven't it's been. very, very competitive. Uh, or my friends who wear glasses are like, this is awesome. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So, um, and then, yeah, you have basic insurance. Um, uh, I don't know what to say about it. Um, Okay. And then there's also um, um, like a you know retirement plan and stuff for the UC that you can contribute to. So it seems to be like there's an all-encompassing all package. That's good. Yeah. So I have three more questions. The last three questions for our series, and these are more directed for our prospective applicants. Yeah. So the first one is for our international medical graduates. Uh-huh. Does UC Davis consider and will they accept them? Um, you're talking the wrong guy. I'm just the chief resident, but um, so I don't no problem. Know, I don't know if there's like a a definitive policy. Um, I know that ortho residency is super competitive. Um, I don't mm-hmm. actually. I take it back. We have had an IMG um, two years ago, two years ago, three years ago. We had a guy who um, trained in Germany. Um, and then came here for residency. Um, and so we certainly have had uh, some IMGs. It's definitely rare, but I guess it does happen. Um, uh, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, throughout an application, yeah. yeah. Um, um, the next question is, any virtual opportunities for upcoming applicants? Um, again, not sure. I know that... Um, They've been trying to do some, you know, virtual sub eyes and stuff like that, which is really, really hard. This whole COVID business is mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sorry for all you guys applying, although you are saving money with travel. I spent so much applying to residency. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise it sucks for everybody. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if there's like, you know, formal stuff other than um, I know some people are doing like virtual sub eyes. Um, and, um, 
there may be in the future some additional virtual stuff as we're sort of adapting to this new COVID business. Yeah, I think it's pretty early. Yeah. Relatively, because everybody's trying to adapt to the online yeah, virtual environment, sure. but not all programs have completely went that totally direction just yet. And the last one is how to show genuine interest with the lack of a ways this year, because <laughs> away submissionships <clears throat> tend to be the way that we kind of have like a months long kind of interview with each other. For sure. Now that it's kind of gone, it's gonna be a little bit difficult. Yeah. What's your take on that? Man, that is a tough one. Um, I know. I wish I had like a really good, a really good answer for you. Um, I don't know how this would be received. This is just, I'm spitballing here, but it may be worth emailing um, like, uh, so the program coordinator, admin ladies and stuff at programs you're interested in and say, Hey, um, do you have any virtual opportunities uh, for applicants? Um, do you have any residents who'd be willing to talk to me um, so I can learn more about the program? Um, I think it's going to be just like uh, the admin ladies are going to hate it because there's going to be like 500 of you emailing them asking, <laughs> asking, Dr. Know, Dr. Connor. asking for, <laughs> you know, what can we do? Um, but if you can, you know, talk to residents and stuff like um, uh, or attendings and attend virtual stuff if they have it, um, that's probably helpful. Um, I think this year is probably more than any other year going to be strange and very heavily interview based, which is going to be suck for you guys and for programs. Um, certainly Davis historically um, has shown a lot of love to our sub eyes. Um, mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah. Um, because yeah, you come on, you know, being a sub eye, you're spending time, money, um, getting to know a place. And so um, I know that historically Davis has given additional um, points, if you will, to people who come out and did sub eyes. Um, but how to do it now, man, I don't know. Um, that's going to be hard because, you know, just another email, probably not going to make a difference, but um yeah, if you if you had a strong interest in something and say, hey, I'd love to talk to some of your residents. Do you have any residents who can talk to me? And and talking with the residents and then maybe asking the residents at each program you know, that you you're able to, hey, you know, I'm super interested. Um, you know, is there any any just kind of like what we're doing here? Any virtual opportunities or you know any mm -hmm. way to interact with mm -hmm. you guys? Um, other than that, I don't know. Um, I guess. Yeah, just smile when you do your video interview, I guess. Uh. And practice them. <laughs> practice your oh, your that's virtual right. interviews, and have a at least a kind of well set up environment, like where you don't have your dirty laundry in that's the background. Right. Just the small things become even more magnified this For year, sure. and they, they represent your personality and your that's characteristics right. more than you actually think it will. Nobody wants to see that stack of unwashed socks. You know exactly. Or, or, uh, Look at your messy room. Have your mom or your cat running by. Yeah, your mom yelling at you to take out the trash. I had two hundred. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so yeah. those small things are important for sure. But Dr. O'Connor, I definitely appreciate your time taking 
out of your day to answer a lot of these questions, actually, now that I look back at it. But again, providing us prospective applicants kind of an in-depth view as to what UC Davis has to offer. No problem, man. I love UC Davis. It was my top choice. I'm super glad I got my top choice. I don't regret this residency at all. I think I'm much better trained than I even thought I would be. Um, And I'm going to be comfortable doing anything I see come in on call. And I'm talking like, I'm going to have to hold myself back and not perk pelvises and do acetabulums because I, I've, um, fortunate to have had the trauma, the spine education and the PEDS education and all the education that I've gotten here in the training. I feel very, very confident in, um, in my training and it has been a blast for you guys going into orthopedics. It's going to be a lot of work. I don't care what residency you go to. Um, you can either pretend and put your life on hold and say, I'm just going to get through this hard stuff. And then, and then I'll, I'll be in attending and I'll figure it out. I would just caution you to say that's not reality. Um, you have to find a place that you're going to love and enjoy. I have had a blast these five years uh, in residency. I haven't put my life on pause. You don't need to. You really can't. So don't just grit your teeth and grind through it. Really find a place where you can love it, enjoy it, make good friends. These are going to be your friends for the rest of your career. Um, and best of luck it's super hard this year for all you guys but um best of luck orthopedics is the best field i say that only mildly biasedly i love it mildly um and uh it's an awesome ride so good luck guys thank you thank you again no problem